Hey everybody, what's happening? It is Tuesday, September 14th, 2021, recall day in California. That's right. If you haven't voted, and I'm supposed to just say haven't voted, I can't say if you haven't voted yes on the recall, but if you haven't voted, just stop listening forever. If you're in California, if you're here and you're choosing not to participate, there's actually some good news. So right now it is a little afternoon. It's 12.18 p.m. Pacific time. And I've been watching Twitter all morning, trying to watch a little bit of both sides. There's not a lot from the left, which is a pretty good sign. But on the right, apparently uh, precinct personnel around the state in city areas are saying this is the busiest they've ever been. This is going to be identical in structure, not saying the same outcome, in structure to the 2020 election, meaning we're going to have a great turnout. We're probably going to have thousands and thousands more Republican voters participate in this recall than they did, was it 2003, when uh, Gray Davis was recalled. That's happening, okay? But the minions of Gavin Newsom, the leftist liberal minions were voting by mail. So there are bags of these votes that are going to be counted later today. So if there are, I don't know with the recall if they're going to do any kind of you know, vote tally releases or results from precincts with <clears throat> with uh, number of you know percentage number counted or you know sixty seven percent reporting from a precinct. I don't know if they're going to do that for this. I don't think they should. Um, I'd like them to wait at least till the evening to start showing precincts when they're over eighty percent. When some of them can be called, do this different from now on. I don't want to read about exit polls because those are manipulated by the press and we know how in for Newsom and and for no on the recall they are in California. It'll be a joke. But the LA Times has it. Should Newsom stay or should he go? Californians weigh governor's fate in the recall election. We're going to talk about it. I'll open with that, but just to give you an idea of what is on tap for today, I'm going to talk about some interesting things from the CDC and the booster shot. And I waited a little bit. The story's not brand new, but I wanted to see how this developed and wanted to make sure I had my facts correct. So I saved it for today. Going to talk about something good old General Milley did. That's the leftist Joint Chiefs of Ch- Staff Chairman, Army General Milley, who was once quoted saying that he's more afraid of things like white rage and white supremacy and is definitely part of the Afghan botched evacuation. Blinken gets ripped again. We'll chat about it. He's the Secretary of State facing more hearings today on Afghanistan. Have to talk about something AOC did and some other breaking news that we will cover. Also, I just saw probably about 30 minutes ago that uh, Norm MacDonald, the famous Saturday Night Live actor, movie actor who most we most know from Happy Madison films, films that were produced by Adam Sandler's production company, Norm MacDonald died at 61 of cancer. Apparently, he's been battling it for nine years. Because I saw the, I didn't know that, or at least I'd forgotten it, and I hope I didn't, but I saw it pop up as a news release from Fox that, um, as an alert, that Norm has passed and had lost his battle to cancer. Uh, it, is, uh, it is a hit for me. I've enjoyed his dry, I think he's the king of the dry, sarcastic sense of humor, um, and is just famous for so many one-liners in Saturday Night Live, movies like Dirty Work, incredibly underrated comedy. Of course, Billy Madison, he appears in all of, I think, all of Adam Sandler's movies that I enjoyed. And I don't enjoy all of them, uh, but some of them are making a comeback. Um, And I wondered why there have been some recent ones that didn't have Norm. And I bet it was because he wasn't well, and that's sad. Seeing a lot of outpouring and support for him, his family members and friends. And so it's a tough day there. that we lost just a funny, what really seemed to be a kind-hearted man, uh, not super political, loved to be just, loved to poke fun at everyone equally. And this is a guy that, you know, I imagine would have had a lot to say about the woke culture. And he's a lot like, he's always reminded me a little bit about, a little bit of, um, or Adam Carolla's always reminded me of him. And Adam 
if you don't follow him and listen to his podcasts, he's incredible and has really done a great job as someone from Hollywood, from the um, celebrity, West Coast celebrity uh, culture. Here's a guy that's called it out. And I think Norm, when he would be asked about some things going on, he'd you could see it in his eyes, maybe, but he was really good at hiding his cards, and I really respected him for that. And just staying funny and staying funny about everything, equal opportunity. I think that is a lot harder to do in Hollywood these days. And so God bless Norm. Well, we won't forget him. Um, but on this day, so that's probably the biggest thing for me today that I noticed as far as breaking news Um but of course, we talked about it yesterday. I've been talking about it for a few weeks now. The recall is on. People are voting. Uh, they're getting their I voted stickers and showing everybody who's interested in seeing. And, and this is interesting. I'm pretty sure, like I said yesterday, if I had to bet still, I'd bet because it's California and because the California Democratic Party has such tremendous power in that state, I, if I had to bet money that I couldn't lose, I would vote on Newsom surviving this. But if it was for fun, or I don't care if I, you know, any other bet I'd make in favor of the recall happening because I want to cheer and enjoy my winnings. I don't want to get paid for something that's a success for Gavin Newsom and his scumbags. But the press is preparing for a Newsom victory. And the, you know, the drive-by media will be aligned on this. This will be the message that California's recall vote is going to be an indication of the future, immediate future political wins. There isn't a state in the union that is less of a bellwether for American politics than the state of California. Maybe Maryland, maybe Vermont. I don't know. Actually, no. I mean, Vermont will vote a moderate Republican in as governor or something once in a while. I don't think it gets further left than California or maybe Oregon and then Washington State. They might be tied for third. But to see this opening from the New York Times, the race has captured the attention of deeply of a deeply divided nation and whatever the outcome seems set to be cited as evidence, cited as evidence of which direction the larger political winds are blowing. What a crock. So they're they're only writing this because they think Newsom has a strong chance of surviving. If it was close in their estimation, okay, if the polls had tightened, then they would not be saying this is any kind of indication of larger political wins, okay? This is an article, and you'll see more of these articles that are not about reporting the direction of politics or policy, but of shaping it just like so many polls are designed to do. Rush always said this. Polls are designed, many of them, to shape opinion, not gauge it. And this article, essentially making a safe bet that Newsom survives, is trying to already say, hey people, get used to it. This recall election is an indication. Now maybe it is, but let's think about it. (laughs) Forget the fact that Newsom might win. He was recalled. He got the million plus, I think it's a million signatures required. And it's going to be close enough. Even if he wins, over 40% of the people who took the time today to show up wanted him recalled, wanted the Democrat governor removed. And what I want to see is of that number, win or lose, whether the Republicans pull this off or not, I want to see who gets the most votes in lieu of a recall, meaning which candidate, like Larry Elder, wins amongst that pool of candidates. He doesn't need 50%. You just need to have the most votes. If the recall is successful, Larry's going to get the most votes. I want to see what that breakdown is. Is it 45% vote in favor of the recall and 38% of those, or I'm sorry, Of those 45%, 80% voted for a conservative. You see where I'm going here is I want to see the data. Because the LA Times, I think, screwed this up. And I'm hoping because they're one of the larger bastards of leftist media that the rest of the media minions will follow this idea, this concept, this theme. And that is 
the recall outcome, outcome, if it's a no, if that wins out, then that alone is an indication of the political direction of the country. That is a huge mistake. Incredibly sophomoric on, on, on the part of the, of the LA Times and others if they pick it up. Because I think you need more information than just the yes or no vote to gauge where this country is going. First of all, did they recall Newsom? Well, they got enough to get the vote done, and it certainly got close, okay, in an extremely liberal state. We're not talking about a recall in a red state of a Democrat. We're talking about a beloved villain of the left, right? Their lover boy, the nephew of Nancy Pelosi, had to get into a political dogfight and might survive. That survival is not a positive indication for the Democrats. I would love for them to think so and get a little complacent. I disagree with that idea, and I think we're going to see data, no matter what happens, that shows how anti-woke culture and how anti-hypocrisy the country is going to be the next time we all show up to the ballot as a nation. Because Gavin Newsom's COVID hypocrisy, his dinner at the French Laundry without a mask during the height of COVID and the height of the restrictions in California is why the recall had enough support. Of course, there are other issues, his total mismanagement of the government, of the state. You have people going back to when he was mayor of San Francisco that want to hold him accountable. That's a big part of it too. But for lack of a better cliche, or statement, the straw that broke the camel's back, because it's such a thing. I hate using it. It sounds cliche. Is it a metaphor? You know, is and was the French laundry dinner in those photos. Those really pissed people off, and even a percentage of his supporters who were mascophytes and lockdown soldiers, right? These were the people that were all in and will do anything that Gavin Newsom or Anthony Fauci tell them to do. Pelosi doesn't help him. She's one of the big hypocrites too. She had a big fundraising dinner where only the help is wearing masks. And we'll talk about that because AOC was at an event that was similar. But we'll see. I'm excited to find out what happens. Of course, I will be elated. I don't know what the word is if Newsom is recalled because it means Larry Elder will be governor for a year and I don't know what he's going to accomplish other than driving liberals crazy. And it's going to be a lot harder to label him as a white supremacist if he's governor of California. That could really hurt them with African Americans on a national level. So if you hear on the radio today, you see on TV, if you're watching CNN at the airport, which is the only time we might be forced to watch and you have to because it's right by your gate, you might read the teleprompter, the closed captioning, and see that they are talking about this being some kind of indication. Believe me, it is, but it's not the indication they're wanting it to be or what they will sell it to be. That's the thing. They probably know, but they're going to sell this hard if Newsom survives as an indication of the country supporting the kind of politics associated with Gavin Newsom, and that is completely false. So don't let that bother you. Switching over to COVID-19, which as I looked at the latest numbers, I'm going to refresh it again because it's good news. I don't know how often you go to the CDC COVID tracker, but they look at the last 30 days and trends and the numbers sometimes change. They always change in the positive, meaning not good, regarding positive tests. That is a good indication of what the virus is doing. And we are on a significant downward trend now, going back to about August 29th was a peak in new cases. And it oscillates a little bit, but yesterday the number is still 38,908 compared to September 9th was up to 179,681. What's great about these numbers continuing to go down is we just had a major holiday weekend. We're in the sweet spot to see a quick increase. It wouldn't have been catastrophic, but I was expecting a holiday bump like we saw 
after Thanksgiving of 2020. The cases were declining after Thanksgiving. Then around November 30th, they spiked up again. You can follow it. Christmas happened. Then December 28th, we had a big, pretty good spike. The cases, the new cases on January 11th peaked at 190,972. The seven-day moving average at that time was up to 253,000. There was actually a day, sorry, there was a day with 293,372 cases January 8th. So that post-holiday, post-New Year spike happened. Hospitalizations rose. What we have now, you won't hear about this, is a high-volume travel weekend not changing the course of positive tests. And we're actually seeing, for two days now, a significant drop. September 11th, 67, 699, 12, 38, 908. Maybe it didn't turn out to be a high travel weekend. I don't know. I traveled. The airports were busy. Um, Not quite as busy as Labor Day weekends as I remember, but they were. So we'll see. It's September 14th. It will be very suspect if that 38,908 from September 12th jumps 100 grand. I've seen that happen. I don't get it. But right now, the trend, even with some of the little individual day spikes in recent weeks, our moving average is dropping to 117,622. 117,622, and has been steadily dropping. So that's good news. Well, what about the booster? See, this news here is problematic, a word I only use in sarcasm. I hate it in reality because the left uses it so much, and so many things are problematic for them that aren't problematic for me, but they apply it to me. But looking at the CDC now, and Anthony Fauci, who a couple months ago, started pushing a booster. That if you have been vaccinated fully for six months, you better get a booster. The first hit that concept took was the natural immunity study I've talked about coming out of Israel that said you're better off with natural antibodies than the Pfizer vaccine. Now it also said the Pfizer vaccines, two shots plus, I'm sorry, one vaccine shot plus natural immunity might be the best. But compared head to head, Two vaccine shots or natural immunity, based on this detailed study, you'd rather have natural immunity. That was a big shot at the booster, no pun intended, at vaccines in general, because they want you getting the vaccine. They want everybody to. They don't want you to think you're smart enough to factor in logic and data that actually says you had COVID, you're good. Oh, no, no. They want you vaccinated. They want to be able to buy more of that Pfizer and Moderna. You know, Pfizer came out. They're supporting a a third shot. Also talking about being ready if there's a vaccine-resistant variant that comes out. And they'll have something for us in three months after that. Don't you worry. Well, now you have two people, and this is getting some heat now. You have two people at the CDC stepping down over this. You have internal physicians at the CDC questioning this concept of a third Pfizer booster shot entirely, a booster shot at all, saying that there is absolutely no evidence right now to support that you would need it, to support that the two shots you received wouldn't be protection enough. So this goes 180 degrees against the White House, Biden, and Anthony Fauci, right? This is incredible. Marion Gruber, this is from a Fox News article titled, COVID-19 vaccine boosters unnecessary for most, say FDA advisors reportedly resigning over the issue. This was published yesterday. Again, I've heard this happened a few days. I think it's happened like a week and a half ago. But the story's just coming out. Marion Gruber, director of the FDA's Office of Vaccine Research and Review, it's pretty relevant, and her deputy director, Phil Krause, are set now to leave in October and November. So it looks like Marion's going to leave first, then the deputy stepping down. They published a viewpoint in The Lancet on Monday, along with other experts worldwide, arguing that the COVID-19 vaccines remain effective in preventing serious or severe disease, including against the highly transmissible and dominant Delta variant. That's the current science. There's nothing published right now Nothing remotely available that says you would need a booster. Now, remember, they did say 
that there was a part here, right, where they basically said where everyone wouldn't need it. So they're leaving the door open, right, that it's not needed amongst the general population, but that maybe the elderly and the immune compromised should consider a booster. Now, if you have a a weak immune system, that makes a little more sense to me because your immune system wasn't strong enough maybe to make enough antibodies from the vaccine or God forbid you got COVID and survived. I'm just inferring that. I'm not reading that. But to quote Marion, Marion Gruber, the soon-to-be former director of the FDA's Office of Vaccines Research and Review, Marion said, Dr. Gruber, I mean, if we have to call Jill Biden doctor, I should certainly call Gruber a director. I mean, she's the director of this office. She has to be a physician. She said, quote, careful and public scrutiny of the evolving data will be needed to assure that decisions about boosting are informed by reliable science more than politics. This is what the authors all agreed upon in that article in The Lancet. Informed by reliable science more than politics. So two people that have worked within the CDC this entire time, not just as gophers with a cubicle, the director of the Vaccine Research and Review Office and her deputy and along with other global experts are saying, they're, they're, in, they're telling us that politics has been a part of the game already and that this third booster shot should not fall into that same category. That's frightening. That's a damning indictment of the Biden administration's response to COVID, of Anthony Fauci and everyone involved. Only Fox News is talking about it. Only Fox News. CNN, the others are not touching it. None of the major networks. I mean, imagine if, if anybody, remember when anybody resigned, if a postal worker resigned under Trump, we would hear about it. And then we'd hear from insiders or sources unnamed about the chaos and the lack of leadership in the White House and within our government. That was daily. We're in a pandemic still. That's what they're telling me. And two of the most powerful people of the FDA working with the CDC are resigning and saying they don't think Booster shots should be mandated based on politics. Can you imagine if Trump were president and this happened? There would be an investigation in our current Democrat-run House of Representatives. There would be a January 6th-esque panel or hearing. No doubt. But you can barely read about it. You have to search it to find out this happened. This is major. This is major. But what does CNN want to talk about? CNN wants to talk about how General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, published or, or discussed and took action during the January 6th time frame to limit Trump's nuclear powers in case he was going to go rogue. Meaning, Milley is trying to tell us we should have been afraid that Donald Trump was going to start punching the codes and launching nukes That is the worst and most disgusting part of that entire myth that Trump wasn't going to leave office if he loses, which the media pushed only to get more Democrat turnout because they people wanted to see that they were selling that not to us. They were not trying to agitate MAGA nation. They were trying to agitate and influence the liberal base to turn out for Biden because they really wanted them to believe it could happen. Right? Some good, you know, TDS, Trump derangement syndrome theater. That was the whole purpose of that. This is the same thing. This is Millie getting involved in politics, which is a disgraceful thing for anyone in the military to publicly do, let alone the highest ranking individual. He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. He's the highest ranking four-star general. He's a general amongst generals. And this guy is a political disgrace. I mean, he's closer to being a militia person than the militias the Democrats are so worried about who are out shooting and minding their own business, typically, in the middle of nowhere in Idaho. You got Millie on the inside acting on something just to create political turmoil for Trump and trying to tell us he was actually worried that Donald Trump was going to take the football, the briefcase, that is attached by handcuffs 
to a, a military officer, there's a team of individuals that rotate their entire job. It's a very distinguished posting. It's Air Force, Army, Marines, Navy, all of them are part of a team. And your job, I imagine it's anywhere from 12 to 24-hour shifts, probably 12. You have that thing cuffed to your wrist and you're everywhere where the president goes. You think that guy is going to sit there and allow it? I guarantee you it's not publicly part of their training. But there's a reason, there's more than one reason it's handcuffed to their arm. It's not just so they don't lose it or that it gets lost or that it's easily acquired. It's so that they can make a judgment call against the commander-in-chief if they lose their frickin' mind. And this is the same thing on a naval nuclear submarine. There's a commander and there's an XO, an executive officer. Crimson Tide, great movie. Gene Hackman, the commander. Denzel Washington, the XO. Both of them have to agree and use their keys to launch. Even if there's an order that comes down, there's built-in redundancy and a second thought by a second human to guard against somebody losing their mind. Now, Gene Hackman doesn't totally lose it, but he loses his sight on what matters and wants to move ahead with a procedure that wasn't lawful. And luckily, the XO stops him from doing it. It's a great movie. It's the same thing with the nuclear football. I think, I got to think that person is trained top secretly in the most classified way. Hey, if you think, if you think this is some kind of rogue deal, you've consulted your team, you can probably get pretty quick approval or be backed up if you deactivated the football or sent that activation ability to another location temporarily. Like a 10 minute timeout while crazy Donald Trump is punching in the codes and trying to nuke China and Russia. We wouldn't nuke Russia, right? Because he's Putin's puppet. He's a fascist, so he'd probably launch it at France, right? This is the world these psychopathic morons live in. And Millie's one of them. Your chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the guy that's top on policy decisions and strategic, strategic decisions in the military, to include being the advisor on what happened in Afghanistan, this guy is out there telling people and putting it in a book by Bob Woodward that Trump, he was worried Trump would go rogue. That's a quote. Please, stop. Stop. the no- That's just nonsense. But they can't help themselves. So that's the latest coming from your wonderful military, completely lost and socialized institution. God help us if we ever have to fight again. The leadership is an absolute joke, people. It's scary, I know, from the inside they are still more concerned with HR-related issues than they are on killing people and blowing things up, which is what they're supposed to do in defense of our great country. They can't do it. But it's interesting, good old Millie, there's a report where Millie, (laughs) this is crazy, that Millie told China in a secret phone call he would give the CCP advance warning if the U.S. was ever going to attack. I mean, can this be true? According to a new book (laughs) written by Bob Woodward, Millie talks about this. So this book is going to be this like tell-all. This guy's still active duty. He's still in the armed forces. How in the hell is he doing interviews with Bob Woodward on things that should be classified? In a pair of secret phone calls, General Mark A. Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, assured his Chinese counterpart, General Ling Zhuocheng of the PLA, People's Liberation Army, that the United States would not strike, according to the new book by Woodward. Now, I don't think this came from Milley. This has to be some kind of inside leak. One call took place on October 30, 2020, four days before the election. God, this guy... This guy probably watches Joy Reid. Mark Milley probably watches shows like The Readout. Can you imagine? This guy's in the army. So he calls and lets this other general, the equivalent of their joint chiefs, chairman of the joint chiefs in China. And and then that's on October 3rd. Then on January 8th, two days after the Capitol riots carried out by supporters of Trump, so he made two phone calls saying, hey, I'll give you a heads up if we attack. Um, 
I'm sorry, I think this son of a bitch should be court-martialed for that. You're in, you're in the military, dude. You don't get to make your own judgment calls because you work for somebody. On January 6th, he still worked for Donald Trump up until the inauguration. So on October 30th of 2020, he made this phone call without his boss, Donald Trump, the commander-in-chief, knowing. It doesn't matter who's president now. It doesn't matter who was president then. This has got to be seen as a major breach under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. If this is true, this is in Bob Woodward's book. I don't have any reason to doubt it, right? Just like I don't have any reason to doubt that Mark Milley told Woodward that he was worried about Trump going rogue. But this is interesting. Um, I, it doesn't say here in this article on Gateway Pundit if Milley shared this with Woodward for his book or this is a source that Woodward has in the White House or the Department of Defense, which Bob Woodward's been around. He's been interviewing presidents and writing books on presidents for decades. It doesn't surprise me that he has sources, active duty military, civilian contractor, government employees, political staffers. He's probably well set up in that regard. And so in the book's account, Milley went as so far, Milley went so far as to pledge he would alert his counterpart in the event of a U.S. attack, stressing the rapport they'd established through a back channel. This is a quote, generally, you and I have known each other now for five years. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. Holy shit. <laughs> he told our enemy or our potential enemy that he would give him a heads up if we were going to attack. This isn't just some White House staffer or diplomat that works with the embassy in China. This is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the top military commander. Wow. So in this book that Bob Woodward and Bob, Bob Costa, Robert Costa, not Jim Acosta, Robert Costa, this is a major, major breakthrough. I can't imagine this wasn't in some, at first I read this like, did Millie share this? No. So this is now public information. As of today, I think this is a breaking story. Um, it's actually an interesting part. You don't read about that one. You go to CNN, you read an excerpt from Woodward's book saying that General Milley worried about Trump going rogue. There's no mention of General Milley telling our enemy, we would give you a heads up before we attack. I don't know if it's even buried here. It's not. In the discussion of Trump going rogue. Wow. Behind the scenes, he, they don't, CNN doesn't even talk about the source telling Woodward Millie wanted to give China a heads up. And Millie apparently, according to Woodward's book, and this is the CNN article, agreed that Trump is crazy. So these were, we have liberal, listen, I know guys in the military still that believe and run their lives based on leftist talking points. They're just as bad as the most hardcore members of Antifa. And I'm old enough now that these former friends have some decent positions of influence in the military. The, the vast majority of the guys I know still in or recently getting out are liberals and they're academics, okay? They're not worth the shit on my shoe when it regards to making any command-based proactive decision. These are diplomatic, academic leftists, classroom commanders. This is where Millie came from, from Massachusetts, people. Big-time liberal. He's still in charge of our military. With this coming out, expect some Republicans on the Hill to be launching an investigation, calling for it. It's not going to be hard, even without a majority in the Senate, to get somebody like Manchin or some Democrats on board to support looking into the fact that we, we can't tolerate this. That somebody in our military command would so blatantly reach out in two phone calls to a communist military leader about giving them a heads up on our strategic moves against them, or anybody. It's, it's pure insanity. And it's, um, it's something that I, I, 
I don't see it ever stopping. I don't really. Um, yeah, now here's another one. So let's um, let's shift stories, and I'm going to close with what's going on the recall on with the recall as well, because with the liberal elite, COVID is always now the COVID restrictions are an option, right? The mandates that they tweet about are only mandates for us, not them. So I mentioned the fundraiser Pelosi had a couple weeks ago in Napa. You saw the pictures, all these Democrat donors, the elite, sitting in an outdoor, beautiful venue at a winery in Napa, no one wearing a mask, including Pelosi, while everybody on the staff, the winery staff, the catering staff, was wearing a mask. Well, this... This is standard now. This wasn't, that wasn't just a, a miscue or an oversight. Now you have the Met Gala, right? So that went on, the Met Gala. I guarantee you they didn't require vaccinations like they are requiring for you and me to enter a restaurant in New York City. But self-proclaimed socialist, Andre, on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, claimed early Tuesday that it was her responsibility to attend the Met Gala. See, it's not something she wanted to do and F you for asking me to follow the rules because she doesn't have to follow the rules if it's her responsibility to go to a party. Well, that's different, right? Shit. It's my responsibility to do these things. So why if I feel that it's that I'm responsible to attend something without a mask, then why not let me do it? I'm no different, right? This is a free country. No, it's not. She's a Democrat in the House of Representatives, a female minority. She gets to do whatever she wants. Right? And she wears a dress, beautiful white dress. She wore it well. She's an attractive woman. Physic, you know, when you look at her, the moment she opens her mouth and speaks, glass cracks and my eyeballs explode from the high pitched shriek frequency she can reach. But she wore a white dress that on the back said, Tax the rich. And she's taunting it and making her little moves and booging about with it. And I am just dumbfounded. It's not lack of self awareness with this woman. She loves this. This is really the only attention she's ever received. She's pretty, has a cute figure. Don't, it's never been about her brain. The bitch is a bartender, okay? And yeah, she's a socialist, I guess. You have to kind of know what something is to be it. But the maskless AOC, Democrat from New York, turned heads as she joined the other left-wing leaders like Mayor Bill de Blasio at the exclusive New York bash late Monday passing by a Black Lives Matter protest against the event taking place outside. BLM's really mad about the vaccine requirement because black and brown people are less vaccinated. So they're getting hit by these requirements heavier than other demographics. But this is interesting. She, she tweeted, quote, this is AOC. And before haters get wild flying off the handle, New York elected officials are routinely invited to and attend the Met due to our responsibilities in overseeing and supporting the city's cultural institutions for the public barf. Quote, I was one of several in attendance in this evening, she noted defensively. And here's a picture, tax the rich. So she's showing, it's on the back. I think it's just an excuse to do an ass show for everybody, for the pictures. I don't think she gives a goddamn about taxing anybody. Like most liberals, they don't actually care about accomplishing anything, which can be good because anything they accomplish is typically hurtful. They care about the activism and the words they get to say in pretending to want to fix something. Most of the things the Democrats claim to want to fix, they don't want to fix. Because if they fixed it, with their programs, their programs and their money grabs would go away. So here she is with a white dress that looks a little big, honestly. Could fit better, AOC. Just saying, I don't see the lines that you typically want to see 
in a shoulderless gown. Um, and she's pictured here with somebody, some other social justice warrior in white, at this fully attended, packed gala, no masks. Again, de Blasio there, I guarantee you, there wasn't a vaccine requirement. I'll, if you find anything, email me. Somebody has, I get some good messages on the new Instagram account with some corrections like I did with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, who I'd referred to as Lieutenant General. But this is, this is something. And, and there's some predictions. I've made this before, that AOC will be rich with a, glam, a ginormous production deal from somewhere and done with politics pretty soon. I think her stunt running for office was just about getting her brand out there, making money, and getting some kind of celebrity gig, right? I mean, she's she's not going to be offered any kind of, I mean, even the easiest role as a contributor on MSNBC, she probably can't do. She's just not smart enough. This is somebody in my debate days at age 17 in high school, I would have destroyed. You pick the audience, you pick the location, it wouldn't have mattered. Would have put her in tears, just asking her questions. And pointing out hypocrisy. It's the easiest thing to do with liberals. They don't back what they ask us to, to stand for. COVID's been the biggest example I can remember or recall in my life. But here she is. Here she is. Doing her thing at the Met Gala. Screw you. You wear a mask. You need to be vaccinated to go anywhere. But for her, it's a responsibility to go to parties. Which I guarantee you she didn't pay for the ticket. And there are thousands apiece to go to the Met Gala. I mean, they're, the expense doesn't matter. They are hard to get. And here comes AOC with a stunning and brave dress. Tax the rich. Bitch, can you be more cliche or boring? No. No. God, what a boring date she would be. I'm sure there, you guys have gone out with her, think she's pretty. After three minutes, you're just sitting there like, when does this stop? When does the vapid hole of speech and this typhoon of ignorance shut up for a second and immediately whatever they thought or hoped for turns into this hag fest across the table that they've got to get away from like she's nuclear i mean what a what a nightmare she's apparently got a boyfriend or somebody can you imagine the beta level on that dude i mean soy through the roof good lord what a what a leashed animal he must be there's no picture by the way if she's got a boyfriend He's not in any of the photos. <laughs> As my kids would say, what a simp. Because at one point she had a boyfriend. And it would be a typical AOC boyfriend that would be there and take the pictures but wouldn't be allowed to be in them with her. Because she doesn't want any man, including somebody she supposedly loves, to take attention from her feminist icon self. She just gets grosser and grosser by the day. But... You know, there's a recall election and um, it looks like if you look at live updates, more than, so this was 13 minutes ago, more than 9.1 million pre-election ballots have been cast in the California recall. I don't know what that means. So total ballots cast of ye- by yesterday is over, over 9 million. Um, that's about 51% of the total votes cast in the same state in 2020. Okay. So about, hmm. So there were 18 million total votes cast in California, 18 plus million for the Trump-Biden election back in November. So the pre-ballots, interesting, the pre-ballots, the mail-in early precinct ballots, which are going to lean left, are about half of that. So hopefully today, if you want any indication that Larry Elder has a chance, you want to see 12, 13, 15 million people voted in person. You need that crowd to show up on election day, which I think is risky, now that we have the option to early vote in person. I'm not mailing in a vote. No way. I'm not putting that in the hands of some postal worker activist a-hole. But I am going to go in early on a day I can do it where I'm not busy and not chance it on a random Tuesday in November or in September for a recall. 
from the same CNN update, about 52% of the ballots for which Edison has data on party. Hmm, okay. So, this looks to refer to, this 52% of ballots is referring to the early ballots, mail-in and early precinct ballots, totaled yesterday at 9.1 million. 52% of those ballots were Democrats. 26 were Republicans. Now, this is not This is different than a regular election. You have the independents making up the rest, right? So that 52 plus 26% is 78. I'm way better at math than Howard Stern. So that leaves you 22% unaffiliated independent. That was a crowd Larry Elder and the recall was doing well with in every poll. So this isn't bad news so far. Like, well, we're not going to get excited because some independents are going to vote against the recall. Many of them are Democrats without the label. They like to be able to vote um, without being part of a statistic, I guess. Being an independent's fine. Uh, it doesn't matter as long as you vote like you have a brain, which people in California tend not to do. A lot of emotional voting going on always has been. That's how the Democrats win elections. It's not based on policy or results or serious matters. It's based on emotion and fear, right? The same thing with the recall. So this was 16 minutes ago. Um, there's thoughts being leaked again. They're assuming Gavin's going to survive, that the race got wider in Gavin's favor because of Larry Elder, that a black conservative was somehow polarizing in such a way that it helped Newsom. No, no way. Absolutely not. This is them just trying to shape your thoughts and say, even though a black guy stood a chance, was the presumed favorite, it didn't have any effect on black voters. No way. Come on. He's like a white supremacist, dude. Mm, I'll be curious to see those statistics. Compared to November 2020, how many black Californians voted for Biden, voted for Trump, and how many this go-round, almost a year later, voted in favor of the recall and voted against it. I want to see that breakdown. And I want to see it for Latino voters too. I want to see it for women. I hope women do something here in the right direction because they're certainly going to favor Gavin Newsom. Sorry, ladies, you got you to tighten up here. You got teammates that vote based on someone's hair. There's the only way Gavin Newsom has a job. But there's an hour ago. Here's when to expect results tonight. And I'll close with this. Polls in California are set to close at 8, 8 o'clock tonight Pacific time. CNN's national political reporter Maeve Reston is covering the race and says the first drop of ballots from early voting will come right after the polls close, which I think is good. We already know that a lot of those are what they are, we know they'll be heavily Democratic. A lot of those people are Democrats who voted early. He's right. Maeve, maybe it's a she, I don't know. Um, it's actually probably a she. I'm only picking between one of the two. So whoever you are, Maeve, you only get one. You're either boy or girl. I'm going to go with girl. M-A-E-V-E. So she said after this blue drop, you will see more Republican votes as in-person comes in. So we're going to see a margin lead for Newsom. Fortunately, they're waiting until the polls close to drop this, these numbers so that doesn't influence people waiting in line to say, oh, Newsom's got a 30-point lead, no point, miles will go home. California is famous for taking forever to count because there are just so many ballots to be counted. Yeah, of all the states, they could be counting over 20 million total ballots tonight. There will be the after count, which includes the mail-in ballots that were stamped on Election Day but are received up to seven days after the election. Boy, that'll be interesting. So people that mailed in their ballot today and got it to the post office in time based on a postal stamp or a um, receipt processing stamp by the post office are going to have their votes counted. We already know, based on credible accusations from the 2020 election, that direction came down. There were postal workers that testified and said, I was told to backdate stamping for mail-in ballots received in states like, I believe it was Pennsylvania, where it was allowed up to seven days later. It would be counted as long as that postal mark was the November election. It was the third, I can't remember. So on the fourth, fifth, and sixth, this guy was told, stamp it November 3rd. 
this was in Pennsylvania, they're certainly going to try this. This is the bullshit of the post office being involved and not enough oversight of that organization. Because this is California, we know it's going to favor Biden. Late mail-in ballots are going to favor Biden. So be ready for this. This is what it says. First, a blue drop of early votes. Then a red wave of people who voted in person. Finally, the mail-in ballots that are received and counted. Finally, the mail-in ballots. I mean, it's hard not to prepare for getting screwed again. It's a little after one o'clock out there. I hope you guys in California have done what you need to do. Have some hope. Let's keep some faith. And maybe Larry pulls this off. Maybe he does. I don't know. I'm not going to predict anymore. I did it yesterday. I wasn't too positive on it based on all of the polls. But as they said, conservatives are hard to poll and they're getting harder to poll. So hopefully millions of them are out there answering neutral or not wanting to get yelled at by some a-hole at Starbucks being you know, overhearing them on the phone and they say, I'm against the recall. I don't blame you for polling that way. Cover your ass. Today's the day you do what you need to do. How you vote matters. And um, I'll be back tomorrow. I was hoping to know something, but I forget now, which is good. They wait until the polls close to report anything. And there are really, there's no exit polling. People being asked what they did when they come out. Those are just too inaccurate. And they influence too much. So I'm glad they're not doing that. So keep your chin up. Not saying anything bad's going to happen, but no matter what happens, we're going to stay positive, especially if Newsom survives. And like I said, by no means is this any indication of how 2022 or other elections are going to go. I think we will get some data, some specifics from the election that will tell us a lot about how things are changing in our favor. God bless everyone. Take care of yourselves and we will talk to you tomorrow.